0: Hi, and welcome to the Medicine for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Stiff. I'm a dietitian turned physician passionate about empowering people to use their lifestyle as medicine. Many of the chronic diseases and cancers that affect our world can be prevented. I'm on a mission to provide you with evidence-based tools and education so you can implement realistic and sustainable changes into your life to combat disease, reach your health goals, and lead your best life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's begin this journey together. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me this week. Today on the podcast, we are continuing on our path through the 10 steps of being healthy. So back in February, I think it was the 25th of February, I started this process uh, going through the 10 things that I think can help um, everyone achieve their health and wellness goals. And these are things that I feel you cannot completely achieve wellness without. So many people will come to me and ask for the one diet or the one food they need to eat or what one exercise program they should do. And it's always a challenge because there's not just one thing you can do to be healthy. It takes a comprehensive um, approach of dealing with multiple facets of health in order to achieve true health and wellness. So, we've been working through these 10 steps and we're almost at the end. The beginning uh, few steps are much more of the medical side. And these last few steps are more on the social and psychological side, which I'm by no means an expert in. So, for this reason, I'm going over them pretty superficially and just giving you an idea of how to begin to look at these things. Because the goal of this podcast is to give you small, sustainable, easy to implement things that you can do with your life today if you want to. And my hope is that. These little nuggets of information will then allow you to think of an area in your life that you can improve upon that might get you closer to reaching your goals. And then you can take that information and go seek out additional information to figure out how it can fit into your life. These things I'm talking about are all pretty low-risk interventions. Um, There's not really negative (laughs) outcomes from doing them. So my hope is that uh, some of the things that you learned today will be able to be implemented into your life this week and start making uh, improvements in your ability to reach your health goals. Today's podcast is all about practicing gratitude and cultivating happiness. So I really don't think anyone can achieve true health and wellness if they don't have some component of gratitude and happiness in their life. Many people who are successful do these things without even thinking about it, and it's that approach at life that likely has set them up for more success. Because as I talked about in the last episode, the way we talk to ourselves and show up in the world are very closely related. So if we feel that we are very successful and we're confident, we're more likely to show up that way and more likely to reach our goals. If we feel that we are not enough or not adequate, and we don't feel like we deserve something, well, then we're going to find things in our lives that validate that belief. Well, that will then cause us to not reach our goals. So this goes along those lines, and it's about practicing gratitude, and happiness. As you can imagine, these attributes are not things that easily come to us, especially with how the world is today. We're always surrounded by negative news, and we continually hear about how other people's lives may seem better than ours, and it's easy to be resentful. And it's really easy to feel like we could live a better life if our circumstances were different, or we could reach our goals if only we had a little more of something else. And This is a misleading belief because most everyone in the world has challenging circumstances and we don't know what it's like in that other person's shoes. It's easy for us to look at social media and assume that someone else has it better than us, but we really have no idea what it's like living in their shoes. And it's really important that we don't compare our lives to someone else's. So today I really want to emphasize the importance of looking at our own lives and finding positive aspects to the life in the world that we live within. Before you totally tune out on me and say that this is too floofy and just not your style, that you want to stick to some hard science, I would encourage you just to listen and see if there's anything that rings true to you. Remember, this is not something that has adverse effects. Being more happy and more positive is unlikely to result in negative outcomes in the end. And so uh, it's kind of a low risk thing just to try on. And sometimes it can feel vulnerable, especially in a world that teaches us we need to be tough and we can't let people walk all over us. And that people who are, you know, like what I'm describing, very happy and optimistic um, that they're just fools. And so that couldn't be further from the truth. And I would encourage you to just give this a try. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about were the health benefits of gratitude and happiness. Now this is really hard to study because we have a challenging time proving things that are more tangible than this. And so the idea that we could prove a mindset is directly linked with an outcome is challenging. For example, you can't put two people in a group, and then tell one to have a positive outlook and one to just continue with their standard outlook, because there's a lot of backstory to why someone believes and thinks the way that they do. So this is just a very challenging thing to study. Um, There have been studies that tried to look at personal reports of improvements in various symptoms and medical conditions when they have a more positive outlook, and then also studies that have tried to look at self-report of positive outlook and the number of health conditions and severity of health conditions that they have, but these things are very difficult to pinpoint. So that leaves us with anecdotal evidence, which is never looked highly upon in the medical world. So again, since this is a pretty low risk approach, I would encourage you just to try this on for size. So there is a general public article that I posted in the show notes you can check out that asks the question about health benefits being linked with people who are more grateful. And they have found that people who have more gratitude have fewer uh, self-reported health complaints and are less symptomatic overall. And I can attest to this from my clinical practice because there are patients who just have a general affect and then they have a certain group of conditions that are related to mood and psychological diagnoses. So not everyone who has these diagnoses necessarily has a psychological component, but mental well-being has been tied to improvement of these symptoms. So when patients have conditions like fibromyalgia, chronic pelvic pain, irritable bowel syndrome, cyclic vomiting, and chronic fatigue, oftentimes individuals with these diagnoses will notice improvements in their symptoms if they manage their psychological triggers that flare these symptoms. So it's not that these conditions are all in their head. They have true physiologic manifestations of these symptoms, but what's happening is the chronic stress that they're feeling or the psychological trigger they're feeling is flaring in their symptoms. And this recurrent flare actually triggers neural pathways to train the brain that when they feel that psychological trigger that they feel physical pain. And so when we control the psychological trigger, we can improve the prevalence of the pain symptoms that the patient is experiencing. And so that goes along with some studies that have shown that patients who have more positive outlooks and better stress management actually tend to have fewer symptoms such as headaches, stomach aches, chronic nausea, fatigue, and similar non-specific symptoms. This article goes on to talk about other studies that have found people who practice gratitude also tend to sleep better. And when they've used a gratitude journal, they've actually found improvement over the weeks of using that journal. And so this could be for many reasons, but one could be that many people report poor sleep that's linked with an inability to fall asleep or inability to fall back asleep in the middle of the night. That's also linked with more stress in their life. They might be having vivid dreams or have trouble settling their mind. And when they're able to circle back and find more gratitude and positivity in their life, that stress and chronic distress is less troublesome. The article goes on to talk about heart health and that there are studies that show if people are recovering from a heart attack or have elevated blood pressure, that if they practice gratitude and both show others they are grateful and are appreciated themselves, that there can actually be improvement in their overall cardiac functioning, and decreased inflammatory levels in their body. Again, who knows what the physiologic mechanism to cause this is. Maybe people who are more grateful and optimistic are more apt to stick to the recommendations post-intervention or maybe people who are more optimistic are more relaxed and do have less uh, systemic inflammation in their body, or maybe there's an epigenetic change, so a change to their genes because of some environmental input that's related to gratitude. So these are things that are being studied right now that we don't know a lot about. But again, it's pretty low risk if to be optimistic after you've had a heart attack, and if there's a chance that it could reduce inflammation and help your cardiovascular function, why not, right? So this goes on to the next point with an article from Psychology Today that I think is really interesting that is also linked in the show notes. And it's just the way we look at people who are happy versus people who are less happy. And people who are happy tend to live life slightly different than people who have a a less happy affect. And so these people tend to build a strong social fabric. It doesn't mean they have to be Extrovert. It just means that they have a support system, that they find pleasure in others and they find ways to stay connected with others. This is especially important right now with COVID and people kind of separating from each other and not being able to be in physical space with other individuals. Um, So I'll talk about this a little more in next week's about uh, the importance of social networks. Um, But people who are happy and more optimistic do tend to have more social networks. They also tend to engage in activities that are going to uh, build them up. They find things that make them feel more grateful and happy, and then they do more activities to further build up that gratefulness and happiness. Um, And it just kind of keeps filling their own cup Continually. People who are more happy tend to practice gratitude, which I'll talk about a little bit more in here, but they have an intentional practice. And the key to this is that if you can practice something intentionally every day, you're building a muscle. So just like you might lift weights to prepare for a 5K, even though you're not going to lift weights in the 5K, that extra coordination and strengthening that you do is going to help your body function under the stress of the race. So same thing with practicing gratitude. If you practice gratitude every day, and then you get into a really tough situation, you'll have this framework to fall back on that will allow you to approach that situation with more focus and less feeling of defeat and allow you to come out in a place that you otherwise would not be able to come out ahead of. And I can attest to this because there have been moments in my life where I was not in a place with practicing gratitude and working on my mental strength that I really struggled because I was not in the right place. And then on the flip side, after having done you know, my own gratitude practice and journaling and some more intention and goal setting practices, through the use of these things, oh, and of course, mindfulness and meditation that I've talked about, through using all of these things, I've trained my brain in a way that I can approach a situation and feel like I'm in more control than I otherwise would have, and that my emotions don't just kind of take over and run the show. The fourth thing listed in this article was having an optimistic thinking style and I actually posted about this back in October so I'll link that in the show notes but there have been studies that show people who are more optimistic tend to live longer and I believe it was 10 years of life were added that were could not be linked to anything else it was strictly linked to having a more optimistic outlook on life so again I would take 10 years of life and it's a very low risk thing to do to try to focus on being optimistic. Um, And so I will, in the link to the show notes, there's actually a freebie on my website that goes through some techniques that you can use to try to cultivate more optimism in your life. And just doing this on a daily basis to get you to start finding the positives can be super beneficial. The fifth thing in this article was that it's good to do good. So that means that people realize that if they do good for others, that it fills them up too. So me opening the door for someone not only makes them feel positive, but I see the positive benefit that they experience, and it fills me up further. Um, so this is a big reason why I advocate for teaching children about random acts of kindness because it's a simple way to show them that something that is a small, what might seem like a trivial thing to them can actually make a huge impact in someone's life, and then they're more likely to pass that on. I know that if somebody buys me a coffee randomly at Starbucks, I'm much more likely to want to go buy someone else something that I don't know as well. And this has happened to me once before in line um, at a drive-thru that someone bought my coffee for me, which was a very pleasant surprise. (laughs) So, um, and I went off and I did the same for someone else. So, you know, when you do something that's good for others, that gets passed along and it doesn't usually just stop there. And even if you think it stops there, that person is slightly changed because of that interaction. They'll remember that someone did that for them. Even if they're not optimistic in any way, maybe they're having a rough point in their life. And that one thing you did showed them that there could be a better way and that things can get better. The sixth point was that uh, people who are more positive tend to know that material wealth is only a small part of the equation. Um, And I don't need to get into this any deeper, but um, we all pretty much know that money doesn't buy happiness and you can try to buy your way to happiness, but really it's much easier and faster if you just focus on cultivating happiness and gratitude where you are right now. And maybe the money will follow, maybe not, but you'll see. The seventh thing was developing healthy coping strategies, and this is huge. It goes along with everything I talked about at the beginning related to stress, Uh, but if people have a way to cope with stress when it comes towards them, they're much more likely to be able to find resilience and persevere through that challenging time, and the stress won't get them down quite as much. Um, And I'm sure that there's a component of this daily gratitude practice that influences how they cope with stress. Individuals who are more positive tend to focus on health. Uh, They take care of their bodies because they know that if they aren't taking care of their body, that their happiness and health will probably fade and that they won't feel as good as they feel now. And so they're much more internally driven. And I think I talked about this in the last episode, but their locus of control is more internal. They believe that they can control the experience they have in life. Maybe not every little thing, but they can control how they react to every little thing that comes towards them. And so they realize that one thing they can control are their behaviors. Um, And that's one thing I advocate very much for, obviously, on this podcast. But understanding that you deciding to walk every day is not selfish, but it's what's going to help keep you balanced and help you be able to persevere through challenging times and then also help your health. Number nine was cultivating spiritual emotions. So spiritual doesn't have to be religious. It's whatever you identify with as spiritual and having some sort of practice where you connect with that spiritual belief is very valuable. And people who have some sort of belief that is greater than them uh, tend to have more purpose in life and also tend to be more optimistic. And then number 10 is having direction. And so this is, again, having purpose and focus for what you're doing with life. And so if you are able to have a purpose in your life, you're likely more happy and more optimistic and positive with how you look at life. Also probably more grateful. And then that further feeds your gratitude because you have a purpose and a vision for what you're working towards. So trying to find some direction and it doesn't have to be something grand. You don't need to change the world. Your purpose could be something like show somebody that they are loved every day. So that's a pretty simple thing. It takes intentionality. It doesn't happen naturally. But if that was your one purpose was to make sure every day of your life that you showed someone that they were cared for and appreciated, just imagine the impact you could make over decades of life. And so it doesn't need to be something that takes tons of money and tons of time. It just needs to be something that drives you and makes you show up in the world in that way. So hopefully I've convinced you now that it's really important to have some kind of practice that focuses on gratitude and being more positive. And now the question is, how do I do this? And it can seem daunting, but it can be very simple. So I think I've talked about this before in the podcast, but having a morning routine can be a great way to anchor yourself so that you're able to go about your day intentionally. And it does not need to be this big routine. Like it literally can be five minutes with a journal and in the morning, in a quiet place where you won't be interrupted. So this might mean waking up five minutes earlier than you do now, but it's five minutes. So it probably doesn't matter in the grand scheme of sleep. (laughs) So you want to find a place that you can sit quietly. Maybe you'll have coffee or tea with you and a journal that is appealing that you want to write in. And I really think that The physical act of writing makes a difference. And so I wouldn't recommend doing it on a computer, but if a computer works for you, by all means, go for it. Um, But maybe just try out the pen and paper and see how it goes. Basically, what you'll do is you every morning will have a statement where you talk about what your intention is for the day, how you want to show up in the world. And this could be the same intention every single day. So you don't have to come up with something grand every day. But if let's say you decide that you want to show someone they're loved every day, then your intention would be to show somebody that they are loved or appreciated. That's all you have to write at the top. And then I would recommend underneath choosing a few other things that you'll write about every day. So this might be writing affirmation. I am a positive person, I am loved, I am smart, I am a goal achiever, whatever your affirmation is. And you can Google uh, positive affirmations to find some that fit for you. So one thing there is positive affirmations. The second could be a quote. Maybe it's something you aspire to be like or a mindset that you desire to have. I would still encourage that if you're doing something like a quote that it is written in active tense. And so it's you doing it as opposed to I will do whatever, kind of like when you do affirmations. Now, the third could be cultivating gratitude. So I think this would be a great thing to start with. So this could be something like writing five things you're grateful for in your life. And just think of how vast your life is and how many things you could come up with. I mean, that's such a small number. So as you do this more, you might want to actually segment it. So maybe today I'm going to write five things I'm grateful for with my children. And tomorrow, five things I'm grateful for with my health. And the next day, five things I'm grateful for with my job. And just kind of start to narrow down to specific categories. And then when you do this, you'll start to notice throughout the day that you find things you're grateful for that you never even paid attention to before. And they're just simple things. That is why it kind of just passed through in the wind when you uh, were living life that way before. But now that your mind is anchored on gratefulness, they'll pop up and you'll think, oh gosh, I never even realized how amazing it is that I'm able to feed myself with a spoon, that I don't need help with that. Um, You know, things that we take for granted every day. And the fourth approach that you could take during this morning routine would be doing some guided uh, journal writing. So you can find journals that are helping you cultivate gratitude and positive outlook. You can do this very simply too by just that morning writing you know, what gives me meaning? What is my purpose in the world? What is my big vision for life? Um, Some of these big questions that we don't really talk to others about that often and occasionally mull over, just take some time to actually put them on paper right in front of you because the simple act of actually writing it down connects different parts of your brain from just the kind of the thinking, dreaming piece to the actual action part of your brain. And so this Step is really crucial in helping you reach your goals and live into the life that you desire. So, this could start as something big, like what is my purpose in life? And every day you could journal a little bit about that. And when you notice themes, you can then take that and begin following prompts that you can create or that you can find online that will focus you in more so that when you're going through your day, The things you wrote about will, again, will be at the front of your mind and you'll find opportunities to live in to that life that you're hoping to live. So again, these are four things. You could just pick one. I would not spend your whole morning doing all four. That's a lot to process and a lot to do. So this is meant to be realistic. So again, one is your intention. You can choose from one of the four um, areas. So positive affirmations, a quote. Um, having gratitude practice. And so however that ends up looking for you Um, or the fourth one of doing journaling, either just free journaling or I would recommend having some component of guided journaling. It doesn't need to be, you know, like it asks you a question and then you have a specific answer you have to give that's one line long, but just having something that sort of guides the direction of your free journaling. And again, I recommend you doing this all on paper. So there's one example that I want to add to this, uh, that James Clear has. So he is the author of atomic habits. If you've never read the book, it's wonderful and you should check it out. Uh, but it's basically about how we can make anything a habit that we desire. And it just takes, um, a specific focus and intentionality. And so, as you can imagine, he has a daily gratitude habit. So he gives a story of a stressful evening where he was able to reset by using his daily gratitude practice. So in his family, they do gratitude while they're eating dinner. So when they sit down together, they all say one thing that they are grateful for that day. So they had a very stressful day, um, a day that I've probably had before, and um, at least in a similar context. And uh, they were able to reset, which this really hit home to me because I can think of nights that were completely wasted and ruined because I was so stuck on the bad thing that happened that day, on the frustrating moment that wasted my time or took up an hour with my family or did something that just was not in the plan. And he gives a great example of how that was kind of how the night was starting. And then they sat down to find something they were grateful for, and they were able to kind of diffuse that stress and tension and come back to living in the moment, um, which is a great habit to be able to do because perseverating about something you have no control over will get you nowhere. It will just get you more mad and frustrated and then lead to a more negative outlook because, you know, woe is me, things are bad, life is horrible, et cetera, et cetera. So I would really encourage you to read that article that's posted about James Clear to see if this approach might work for you. We have some friends who every night they do high, low gratitude. Um, and so they say that good part of their day, a not so good part of their day and something they're grateful for. And for people with families, I mean, really anyone, I think this could be helpful for, but I'm hoping this will be helpful as our kids get older, because this will give me a glimpse into the negative thing that happens that the kids don't want to tell us about. Um, who knows how open they'll be, but my hope is that doing it every night will make it more likely to be an, uh, opportunity for growing and kind of helping get into those places that kids might not otherwise talk about. Um, But then it's sandwiched. We all know about the feedback sandwiches. So we've got a positive, what you're grateful for, negative, what's not so great today, and then gratitude, which is another positive. So I would really encourage you to try that habit as well. And then I wanted to just add one more thing. I know this one is running long and it's funny because every time I do a podcast, I think, Oh, this is going to be like 10 minutes. I don't know how I have anything to talk about. And so now I'm at about a half hour. (laughs) So, um, anyway, I wanted to give you some questions that you can use to ask yourself when you're getting stuck. And so positive psychology is a new field. I want to say it was developed in the early two thousands. I have a good friend, um, who listens to this podcast that, um, got me into positive psychology way back in the day. And, um, um, it's come up a lot as i've been trying to look into lifestyle medicine and ways to motivate people and find purpose and meaning in life. And there's a model called the perma model and it basically touches on five core elements of psychological well-being and happiness that need to be fulfilled in order for people to feel complete. So, um this model, the PERMA is the acronym, so P is for positive emotions, E is for engagement and finding flow, flow is that thing that you're in when you realize two hours just passed and it felt like five minutes, Um, R are relationships and having authentic connections, M is meaning and having a purposeful existence, and A is achievement or a sense of accomplishment. And so one thing that you can think about as you approach any problem that you're having in your life that you're struggling with is looking at which of these areas is most affected and that you're struggling with the most um, and how it plays in. And then you can then dive into that area further to figure out how you can address this issue or concern you have more. So I'll link uh, in the show notes something about the PERMA model that you can read about a little bit more. So that's all I have today. I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that there's at least one thing that you can take from this to apply to your life today to get started on leading a more positive and gratitude-filled life. Uh, Feel free to head over to Facebook or Instagram and uh, leave a comment about what it is you took away from this episode and what you would like to do to try to change this practice in your own life. Also feel free to leave a review Uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast so others can know where they can find reliable and helpful resources to living a healthy lifestyle. And I will see you all next week as we dive into the 10th step to leading a healthy life. And this is all about relationships. Can't wait to see you then. Take care and be well. Bye. While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to. Use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life LLC or Stiff, MD.